Good morning, Outlook family. It's good to see everyone this morning. Isn't it good to be together on this Sunday morning worshiping the Lord? It sure is. Whether you're here in the room or you're with us online, together is a good place to be, and I'm really glad to be with all of you. Before we dive into God's Word, let's pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the beautiful time of worship that we just had, this chance to open our hearts to you, this chance to let you know, Lord Jesus, how we feel, how much we love you, how thankful we are for you. And Lord, now as we open your word, we ask that you would be our teacher, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into your truth, that you would use this time. Uh, No matter what our week has contained, we're all bringing to this moment all kinds of worries or victories or anxieties or or uh, troubles or you name it all kinds of things on our minds regrets even perhaps lord we give them all to you we take a deep breath and we ask you to speak to us by your word in jesus name amen amen well we are in the middle of a series now that we started last week called our Outlook. In this series, we are asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a local church? How do we at Outlook answer that question from the scriptures? What are we all about? And if you're new to us, we're hoping that this will be a fun time to get to know us better. And if you've been around Outlook for a while, maybe even a super long while, we're praying that this will be a refreshing and fun time to just be reminded of what it really does mean to be a part of a, of a local church that's seeking to follow Jesus and that you get to be a part of that. And so last week we began by uh, noting that our mission is to develop all of us as disciples of Jesus. Someone say disciples of Jesus. This is what we are all about. You and me, every single one of us being developed in that way. But the rest of our mission statement, which we'll unpack for the next four weeks, breaks that down into these four verbs that that we feel like uh, do a good job of representing all the different teachings and commands of the Scriptures about what it means to be the people of God as a local church. And so we're developing disciples of Jesus who are connecting, growing, serving, and going. And today we're going to focus on that first verb, connecting. Now what does this look like? Well, let's go back to the beginning. The first time the gospel is preached by one of the apostles, his name's Peter, to a huge crowd in Jerusalem. So we're in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And the believers, all the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time together breaking this down. And what we can see here pretty quickly is that there's a a three-point move, I, I would call it, that's happening here in this passage that we can learn about and learn from. Connecting to Christ, connecting to His church, and connecting to each other. This three-point move is something we need to do if we're ever going to go to that next verb, grow. So what I've found is, in countless people's lives across all the years that, that I've gotten to work with all of you, is that it is hard to grow without making this three-point move. Yes to Jesus, yes to a local church, and then yes to a group of Christians to do life together. You make that one, two, three-point move, and you will find yourself planted 
in a place in which you can really begin to grow and thrive in your Christian walk. So let's, let's examine this three-point move here as we see it here. The first thing we see is that these folks believed what Peter said. Last week we talked about the message we proclaim is the gospel of Jesus, that we are always aimed to preach that pure and beautiful gospel and to not get distracted by false versions of that gospel because we said that the gospel you preach will determine the disciples you develop. We are a people defined by the truth we believe. The very first thing that these folks did was they believed what Peter Said. So what did Peter say? Let's take a look. A little bit earlier in this same chapter in the book of Acts, this is what Peter had said to this crowd. He declares, God raised Jesus from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. So let everyone in Israel, and every place else for that matter, know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, he said, to be both Lord and Messiah. Messiah, Savior of the world. So this is what Peter is declaring. The lordship, the goodness, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Now we saw last Sunday how what, we are, what we're hearing here from Peter is the gospel in its most distilled form. It is the seed from which all other good gospel things Grow that Jesus, God in the flesh, died for you and for me and walked out of his own tomb, was raised to life. That believing that that's true, that that historically and actually happened, and that it's real, is the beginning of what it means to believe the gospel. It is the gospel in its, in its most uh, vital components. And believing that truth is what brings us and binds us together. It's what a local church is. People who are brought together by believing that exact truth. We are a people, in short, of pierced hearts. It says that when people heard Peter say that, they were pierced to the heart. I love that. And I think it's a great description of what a church is really meant to be. You and I are people who've been confronted by the reality that the holy and wonderful and loving Son of God gave His life on a brutal cross for me and for you and then walked out of His own tomb. And that pierces us to the heart. And what is a church if not a people that are bound by this holy thread, this cord that goes through the piercing in my heart and then goes through the piercing in yours and the next persons and the next persons and binds us together that you and I can look each other in the eye and know regardless of what else we feel about any other issue or subject we are people pierced by the brutal truth that the son of God gave his life for us amen we are pierced by that it identifies us that's been true from day one they were pierced to the heart what should we do here's what Peter says in reply each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sounds so pure, so simple, so good and old-fashioned in some sense, right? Repent 
and be baptized. Folks, there's no improving on that answer. Yes to Jesus. Yes to his gospel. There's no going around it. This is from where all good things in Christ begin. Repent and be baptized. If you've not yet been baptized, don't fight it. Accept it as the beautiful invitation it is to say goodbye to your old life done on your own terms. And yes to the life that God has had in store for you since the beginning. Repent and be baptized. Say yes to Jesus. So this is part, part one of the three-part move right, that we're talking about. Connected to Christ. They believed that gospel. They were pierced and they want to respond and they do. What happens next? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted is really important. They were committed to gathering together to unpack this gospel and live it out as the apostles taught it. The church is nothing if it is not this. Like I said, we're people who are brought together by the truth we believe. And this is part of what we do every Sunday morning together. We're doing it right now. We are coming together to unpack the apostles' teaching as we find it in the scriptures. It's been happening by us Christians. Uh, we've been doing it for these 2,000 years. We're doing it here this morning. We're a gathered people devoted to discipleship to Jesus together. Now, I think it's important that we stop and realize that you and I here in the 21st century in, in our own uh, culture, we encounter something that would have been foreign to these first Christians, the early church. We have the opportunity to associate with the church without any commitment. See, these folks lived under serious threat and with limited options. To say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the church, was to commit yourself to a group of people uh, who were going against the flow and in fact would have been considered and were going to be, as, the, as history evolved here in the next uh, few months, outlaws, uh, being a one, even giving your, giving your life. We read a little bit later about Stephen being stoned for his faith in Jesus. This was not something you did casually. You believed that message and something captured you, pierced you, and you said yes. There was no kind of just, oh yeah, categorically I'm going to be a Christian. This is kind of what I'm going to do. I'll go to church every now and then, and this is how I'm going to uh, kind of live out my faith. I'll just kind of hang out with some Christians. There was just no such thing as that kind of consumer Christianity back then. We have that opportunity, but it's not a good one. It's not one worth, um, worth our time. We have, the op we have the chance to associate with Christianity without committing to a body of believers. In other words, we can stay casual. We can wear the name Christian, but suffer no real cost of that, and then just kind of absorb some of whatever it is we want about the faith. This would have been something foreign to these original Christians. Now, I've heard people say that they don't really know how they feel about the idea of a home church. They think it might be better to cobble together their own collection of online worship services, authors, seminars, retreats, podcasts, you name it. And believe me, I'm right there some days. It's tempting. And I'm a pastor, right? But sometimes people... Uh, can be difficult, right? And sometimes it's easier. Not, none of you. Everyone in first service. None of you all. Um, but uh, it's tempting for any of us to want to just kind of step back, right? And then we'll just figure, oh, I'll just get fed, so to speak, in some other ways. I appreciate very much online worship services and books and seminars and retreats and podcasts. But listen, none of them are what the Bible is referring to when it points believers in Jesus toward the church. None of that 
Is this the church? And so let me urge you, don't take the easy way out. I won't. And maybe I'd ask you to not do it either. See, Jesus has things He wants to do in and through you that He will use the, your, a church home to get those things done. In our day and age, we like to think we can reconsider and reinvent nearly anything. But nothing replaces planting ourselves in the congregation of real Jesus followers we can know by name. If you're interested in learning more about that, you heard Zach mention it. But Starting Point is happening tonight at 6.30. If you'd like to get to know us a little bit better, there's no commitment necessary in, in this hour that we'll spend together. But it is a great chance to get to know us a little bit more. We'll get to know you a little bit more. If you would even begin to consider what it might, be, uh, what it might mean to make Outlook your church home. We would love to talk to you about that. So that's tonight at 6.30. So that's the second part of this three-part move, connected to Christ, connected to the church uh, broadly, but then connecting to each other. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, we did a deep dive into this throughout August. If you didn't catch that series that Kate Mangano and I got to do, our Connection and Care Minister, check that out uh, as we really, and, and dozens of you, uh, asked to be, to be put into one of our small groups. And it was a really fun, and is a fun thing to see happening. So I'm not going to go super deep into this right now, but I do want to make a couple observations. Christians have been exercising this three-point move since day one. I think that's important to just be reminded of. And let's also acknowledge how easy it is to disconnect. But it's also spiritually fatal. And not only spiritually. It might be one thing to say, yes, I've said yes to Jesus, or even yes, I've said yes to a local church. This is where I attend when I can or whatever. But man, that third step, that third pressing into that connection with some other believers, that can be a tough one sometimes for us. And, uh, but what I want you to hear is that disconnection, not making that final push, can really have an effect on our spiritual lives. Like I said, it's going to be really hard to grow without that final third step. And we know that it's not only fatal spiritually, but mentally, emotionally, even physically. The effects of isolation that are becoming more and more documented after the last year and a half that we've all endured are real. God invented the church to make sure we wouldn't be isolated. Amen? What keeps us from that kind of connection? It can be all kinds of things, super understandable ones. It could be some family dysfunction that we've grown up in or inherited. It could be bad experiences in the church. It could just be our own need for comfort and convenience, if we're honest. All those things can get in the way of making that final push. But let me just encourage you to keep trying. Maybe you were in a group or you tried a group and it just didn't quite work out. Find another group. Keep looking. Don't deprive yourself of that third step in this three-point move. Or get with some other outlookers who aren't in a group and form a new group. That would be cool, too. But let me just say, at every age and at every stage of life, this does not uh, lessen in importance. If you're in high school, the idea of connecting with fellow believers and staying strong is vital to your faith. If you're in college and things are busy and you're all over the place, don't let that, thing, don't let that slip. Maybe you're away from home, you're not at your home church. Find connection with other believers. Maybe you're out of college, living the single life or looking for a mate, or maybe you found a mate. 
Either way, I bet life just felt like it got fuller and busier. Don't deprive yourself of the vital connection that is necessary to have with other believers. Little ones coming into the picture, things are busier than ever. That vital connection is just as important, if not more so, than ever. Connection to Christ, connection to His church, and connection to each other. We see that it's been happening since the first day of the church. But that's not the only thing I want to talk about here because there's something else that's happening throughout this passage that I think is good uh, as, to think about as a local church as we think about our mission, but we also think about the vision that we have to fulfill that mission. So let's, let's kind of riff on that for a minute and talk about connecting others. This phrase added to the church. Added to the church. How do we see people added to the church in our day and age? I think that's a super um, vital, interesting, compelling question. And if you know me, you know that I'm going to say that the answer hasn't really changed from what we find in the Scriptures. But I also want to add to that that it's our responsibility to see that we are searching for and finding the whole answer from the Scriptures and applying it to our context today where and when we live it's an important question that deserves a full answer and at the very least we know it has to start with the idea that we must welcome everyone we must listen to everyone and meet them where they are and we must love everyone let's talk more about that we need to be near those who are far from god if we want to talk about adding to the church helping people make their own three-point move right yes to jesus yes to the church yes to fellow believers if we're going to make that connection or be part of that then being near those who don't yet know god is going to be part and parcel of this move if we can be near those who are far from god we can have the opportunity to show them that he is not far from them. Amen? We are connected people, connecting others. And this is a high calling. And this has always been, as long as I've been here, uh, certainly, uh, and, and I know before, before me as I've gotten to know, as I worked under our previous senior minister and now uh, get to serve as I do, this has a, been a vital heartbeat of our church for a long, long time, connecting people to Jesus. Zondra Williams is an outlooker with a powerful connection story of her own, and she recently shared it with us, and we captured that on video. So I'd like to take a second and let you enjoy this video of Zondra telling her connection story. Hi, I'm Zondra Williams. I'm originally from Jamaica, and I've been living here in Indianapolis, Indiana for about 20 years now. Coming from Jamaica, church is very important. For me, I have to be comfortable where I'm at. Um, I'm mixed race, and my son is also mixed race. So when we go somewhere, I want him to feel comfortable. Most of the churches we've been to, we've felt a little bit uncomfortable being there. And I have found my home church, which is Outlook, and we've been coming here for over three years, and we love it. We walked in the door and we felt appreciated from day one and we've not looked back since. One of the churches we went to, we didn't feel welcome like you're here, everything's gonna be okay. We just felt like we were there, we needed to make sure we were dressed to accommodate the church, um, made sure we had money, 
to do collection. Not a church we went to, um, just felt like because we were black, we weren't welcome there. Um, they didn't outright say you're not welcome, but we could feel it. We went back a couple of times just trying to still fit in, but we still did not feel comfortable there. It just, in my heart, I, I have to go somewhere where I feel that I am welcome there and I would not want my son to experience any of that that we, we did. When you get up on a Sunday and you, you wanna go worship the Lord, you should feel good. You should walk in, you should feel good. You shouldn't be thinking, okay, who's staring at me? Am I gonna say the right thing? Am I gonna say the wrong thing? When you go to church, this is somewhere that you should feel welcome. You should feel love. You should not feel that, okay, I'm not welcome here. I am, I'm not appreciated to be here because of my color. My son's opinion of Outlook is that he's, that was the first time he's ever gotten to read the Bible. He felt that that was very important for him to at least understand the Bible in this type of setting because we read the Bible at home. But this was the first time he's ever had anyone just take that attention of showing him about the Bible. And of course he received a Bible from here, his own Bible. And he just felt so appreciated being here that he wants to come back every Sunday. And he's like, when are we going back? When are we going back? When can we go back? And he's just so happy to be here. And um, I actually asked him what I should say today. And he said, just say we felt very appreciated walking in the door. It has just been awesome to be here. Um, the, just the words, um, everyone that is here, as you walk in the door, you will feel the love. You will also feel the love with all of the services. It doesn't matter who is the minister that is up there, you will feel the love. If anyone is looking for a church home, I will personally recommend Outlook to be your home. This is my family. I welcome you to Outlook. Appreciate Zonder sharing that with us. Connection, man, connection for everyone is so vital. Our, our mission, if you haven't noticed there, you know, it's simple and uncomplicated, right? The mission of our church. Uh, and so is our vision going forward as a church. It's always been an uncomplicated one. It's connecting more people to Christ and his church so we can develop all of us as disciples of Jesus. That's really what our visioning process around here at Outlook is like. We look around and we pray and we look at how can we introduce more people to Jesus. The pastors and elders did exactly this in 2019 going through a visioning process process. We looked around and we asked, Lord, what do you want us to see? And how might you lead us in introducing you to more and more people through what we see? And here are some of the things that we saw. We see a growing population around us, and that's easy to spot. And so we wrote in that vision that our next steps and investments, when it comes to our campus development, we gave it an, an update last week on the, what's happening back here on our property. Our next steps and investments should propel greater connection with our community. 
We said that as we expand our usage of the acreage that the Lord has provided, we have a great opportunity to develop it in a way that's responsive to the needs and individuals of the families, uh, to the needs of individuals and families surrounding us. And that we should do all we can to maintain the point of view that our facilities and our grounds belong at least as much to the guest as to the outlooker. We want to have a facility and a campus that has a wide open door and a really easy to spot welcome mat. Amen? We look around and see that we are enduring as a society a mental health crisis. We desire Outlook to be a home, we wrote, for the hurting and a sanctuary for the searching, meeting people's very real needs just as they are. Last month we spent uh, a few weeks looking at mental health. We'll do the same and pick that series back up in January and then again in the spring, looking at this important subject from various angles and applying the truth of Jesus to all those mental health issues. We hear cries in our society today for racial justice or even just respect. And we can, if we look around, see apathy towards that or sometimes outright denial, sometimes especially among those who even call themselves Christians. Think of Zandra's story. It's been said by some that maybe church is not the place to talk about race, but that kind of approach ends up forgetting that the power of such talk comes from the fact that this is not just about issues first, but it's always about people, real people with real experiences. And I appreciate Zandra sharing her real experience with us because maybe you're like me. Her acceptance at Outlook can come off as kind of matter of fact or assumed. Of course, she was warmly welcomed here. But without some understanding of what her previous experience and pain had been an experience that can too often be denied by wishful thinking, we won't be able to empathize with what love and acceptance feels like to those who don't always easily find it. It can be easy to take for granted. I think it's vital that the church appreciate that real love and respect and value. Think about her son Chance's words when she asked, what do you want me to say in my video interview today. We met Chance when he was about eight or nine. We felt and feel appreciated. What value does it mean for a child to come into the house of God, be given a Bible, and be embraced in love, and know that the people who are telling me about Jesus aren't doing it reluctantly or keeping me at arm's length, that I am personally appreciated, that, they, that that child can link being appreciated as the human being that they are with the love of Jesus. It's the way it should be, amen? And what a tragedy if it ever isn't the case. And that perhaps that can be for some more rare than we realize. So in our guiding vision, we wrote that we will continue to pray that we are robustly diverse, both racially and culturally, and we're committed to fostering such diversity. We will continue to stretch ourselves cross-culturally and increasing that awareness, fighting against the potential homogenization that can too easily occur. Let's love others well, we wrote, and be the best neighbors ever. We look around and see a society... Thank you. Amen to that. We see a society that's divided in all kinds of ways. We lean into preaching the good news of Jesus, knowing that that is what can unite people at a level, at a heart level, that can transcend all those divisions. 
We see a culture that's losing its grounding regarding what's right, what's wrong, or what even makes sense. And all these things that we see, we know that love is the answer, of course, right? But we have to press past the idea, the, the ideas that can just be easy to quote or put on a wall, right? Connecting sounds great, but what's the work of connecting? Love sounds great, but what's the work that love calls us to? Not just warm and fuzzy, but a love that ensures that people are seen and heard and respected. Connecting people to Jesus today can mean hard conversations in our current society if we're going to bear witness to the truth of the gospel. This is the work of the church that we have to lean into if we're going to build some bridges with others and take seriously our mandate to add to the church and connect people to God. That I want to just kind of say out loud here that it is not only possible, but it is exactly what should be true of us. We can stand on and hold on to the solid rock of the truth of Jesus while we then, from that ground, engage with others who don't yet know Christ about issues that are even tricky or sensitive. Gender and sexuality, poverty and injustice, politics and nationalism. The church should be able to bear witness to those things and bring truth to bear on them. Politics and nationalism, when it comes to that, we can confess that large swaths of American Christianity have, for the last couple of generations, been tragically enamored with political power and trying to establish the church within the state, a fool's errand and a desperate misreading of the gospel. When it comes to poverty and injustice, we can admit that such issues are more complex than the sound bites or the clickbait headlines suggest, but that they are also worthy of our understanding and addressing them through our best efforts and learning humbly about the whole history of our nation and world so we can more faithfully serve within it. When it comes to gender and sexuality, we see that our world is deeply confused and famished for real love. We will keep having warm and caring conversations while pointing people to Jesus and the reality that God made humans male and female and gave us sexual intimacy as a gift to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. We can stand on that solid ground and engage from that place in a loving, humble way with anyone who will engage back with us. See, too many Christians are arguing with the world about definitions instead of pointing people to the one that we've realized has the right to write the dictionary. Amen? Making Jesus Lord means He gets to define things, not us. And really, until or unless He is Lord in someone's life, that is where our work begins. That's where a connection is most needed. I'm far less concerned that someone agrees with me than if they know Him. Follow Jesus with me, and then we can, along that narrow way, you and I begin to talk about the things He's teaching us about life and how it works. But let's get on that path together first. That's how I ever learned anything, was on that path with him. I bet that's true for you too. 
In addition to dressing, addressing poverty or promoting literacy or fostering mental health, this also is our quiet work to humbly and patiently meet individuals where they are. And instead of trying to win an argument, win them over to Jesus and his love. This is just some of the work we have to do as we commit ourselves to connecting others to Jesus and his church. And it is work. It's not a nice thing that sounds good. Let's, connect, let's be connected. Let's also see that we're doing the work of helping others connect. Not getting in their way, but pointing in, toward the way, right? We look around, we listen, and we pray. Now, this adding to the church that we're reading about here, it didn't stop, of course. It just kept on rolling right all the way to you and me today. And that's the cool thing about what we're saying here this morning. The word kept being shared, care and kindness kept being offered, wrongs kept getting righted, needs kept getting met, people kept being loved, connecting, connecting, connecting. That's really the bottom line of what we're talking about today. It could be summed up really like this. Belonging is part of believing. Saying yes to Jesus means saying yes to his whole family. Amen. Being a part and staying a part of a local church family is not optional to our spiritual development. We're not going to get to growing and serving and going without connecting. It's unavoidable. As we read it in the scriptures, the Christian life is meant to be lived together. And bringing others into that together, connected people, connecting people, is among the highest and most thrilling things that any of us can do or be. So what is our mission? To develop all of us as disciples of Jesus who are connecting. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for the enthusiasm that your word gives us. When we hear truth, Lord, we like it and we're, we're happy about it. And Lord, I pray that, that, that whatever I said today, that, that it was true, that it was your truth. Uh, Lord, if I said anything today that wasn't, then help us to all just forget all about it. But whatever we did hear today, Lord, that was of your word and from you, help us to never forget it. Help us to live it out. Father, as we take communion here, as we prepare our hearts to, to, to pick up that bread and that cup and we consider the sacrifice, Jesus, that you made for us, we are commemorating the connection that you died to make. Help us not to take that connection lightly, but to see it as this precious thing that, that Jesus, you died to make possible and that today we can bring everything about our lives to you in the singular moment and give it back over Forgive us, Lord, where we need forgiven. Guide us where we need guidance. Lord, receive us, fill us, teach us by your Spirit. And when we take that bread and that cup, we're going to thank you for that sacrifice and, and establish again the connection that we need so much. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.